a new year comes with new opportunities. God has already gone before us. As the scripture says, we are called to walk in the good works God has already planned for us. To do this well, we must be ready. Therefore, we are taking these 21 days of prayer and fasting to seek the Lord. Not only do we seek the Lord, but we ask the Lord to seek us, to reveal our hearts to us. Private work with the Lord always precedes public work for the Lord. So let's get ready for all God is going to do this year. It's time to begin with the preparation of consecration. All right, good morning, City Light. How are we doing? Good morning, good morning. It's good to see you all this morning. We're going to be in our second part of our uh, series, so go ahead and open your Bible to 2 Chronicles 29, and uh, make sure to grab one of these devotional materials as we work through this series and as we really seek the Lord. Uh, we want to make sure everyone is engaged throughout the week, and so if you grab this devotional, it'll help you. Uh, seek the Lord in your own time every day. It'll help you be engaged and unified with what we're doing at City Light. And so please take one of these. There's also sermon notes for you to engage. So please use this to your advantage uh, so that you can grow. So we're in our second week of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, I remember when we did this last year, the first week, we asked people how it was going. It was like, huh, you know, like they some people, and maybe some of you, this is your first time you've ever tried to intensely do anything like this, be devoted to the Lord in this way by fasting or giving anything up, you know. Uh, I hope that you are encouraged to persevere uh, and to really seek the Lord. Uh, the further deeper you go, the more you see. It's very important. So wherever you're at in your experiment these 21 days, uh, the further you go, the more you're going to see. And so don't give up when it gets hard. You're just on the precipice of probably some clear words from the Lord or just some impressions from the Holy Spirit, some leadership, some wisdom uh, from him. And so keep pressing in. We're going to do these 21 days together. And as we really know, as all of us have seen, uh, last Wednesday was like watching a movie. I just couldn't believe, you know, I'm sure everybody. And I, one of my 21 days things is no social media. And so boy, was that tough. I was like dying, you know. I don't watch the news. Uh, so I had to turn the TV on to like NBC or something to literally kind of learn more about what happened that day uh, and to kind of keep up. But man, I was like, Lord, you must not want me to know as much as I'd like to know right now. I'm dying to turn Twitter on. Uh, and so I did hold off, praise the Lord. Um, but uh, obviously, like many of you watching it in dismay, um, uh, it's just crazy, crazy times. And as I was preparing this message and thinking through this, I think the Lord knows what he's doing. I know the Lord knows what he's doing. Uh, but particularly even with our time today and our 21 days and our time during this, this, this 21 days, the world needs more than ever the people of God to be the people of God. This is so important. It just kept driving in my heart to say the world needs us to not be like the world. If there was ever a time where there was a group of people who were consecrated unto the Lord holy and set apart for his service, ready to do whatever he calls them to do, empowered by the Holy Spirit to go into dark places and bring the light of Jesus. If there was ever a time where people were called out to minister on his behalf and to go into the places of darkness and chaos and bring the stability and salvation of Jesus, it's now. 
And as we said this during the election as well, too, one of the things I'm just so convicted at is that Christians ought to act like Christians. We ought to act like we actually have a citizenship in heaven. We ought to act like we have a sovereign God who rules over all things. We ought to act like we have the Holy Spirit empowering us to do what he asks us to do. We cannot walk around shaken and nervous like everyone else. The world needs Christians to not be like the world. So as we look at all these things and as we consider what we ought to do, as we consider what is the Lord's calling on us, part of the thing I want all of you to know is that as the darkness gets darker, the need for light is greater. And as you see things like this happening and who knows what's to come, it shouldn't be something to shy away from, but actually it should increase your calling. You should watch something like that on Wednesday and say, wow, the world needs Jesus and I even live in that city. And to say, what does God have for me here? How can I be a part of bringing the light into this dark place? How can I be a part of bringing the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven? And so I just want you to take these 21 days to take that picture from Wednesday and to really take consecrating yourself unto the Lord seriously so that you can be ready. I don't know what the Lord's going to call you into, and I don't know what dark place the Lord wants you to bring light into, but I do know, just like you, that things are unfolding more chaotically by the day, and that the Lord is going to use his people to do what he wants. And the question is, are you and I ready? And are we distinct? Or do we just act like the world around us? Do we bring anything different to the table? And we should. And so watch that. I just I have been growing in conviction of calling to say the Lord is calling us into this. Something we say a lot is light is made for the dark. There's no point in Jesus calling us the light of the world if he doesn't intend to put us in dark places. You don't use your iPhone light when it's bright outside. You use it when you're trying to find something in your closet and you're super annoyed that everything's messy. That's when you use your iPhone light. And the same thing is to say God calls you the light of the world for particular things like this, to be in dark places. And he's given you the stability of the Holy Spirit in your life to go into the chaos. And we must all take this calling. We must all take this calling. So something we've said throughout this series last week, we want to keep saying, I think this is super important, even as we consider the battles ahead uh, for your life, the battles ahead in our nation, the battles ahead for the kingdom of God, is that in the presence of the Lord, the victory is won before the battle has begun. As we see from the story of Hezekiah, The victory in chapter 32 comes from the dedication and worship in chapter 29. If we prioritize and pursue his presence, now we will see fruit and victories in December that we got in January, which didn't know it yet. And so for you in your life to say, man, I'm going to consecrate myself unto the Lord because in the presence of the Lord, the victory is won before the battle has begun. And as I enter into 2021, I do so with this conviction that as I consecrate myself now, I'm winning victories later, both in my personal life, but also in the life of this church. And as we consider battling for the kingdom of God and fighting against the forces of darkness in this year, as we consider what does that look like to be the light of Christ in the midst of the chaos, we have to be ready more than ever. And the only way you're going to win spiritual victories is by spiritual means. You don't win spiritual victories picking up physical means, means of the world. You win spiritual victories by spiritual means. So we must pray. We must seek the Lord. We must love him, but we also must get ready by prayer to ask the Lord to do things that only he can do. So in the presence of the Lord, the victory is won before the battle has begun. This is a life principle, a scriptural truth you ought to live by and don't do things backwards. 
So today, though, what I want you to see, as we considered last week, what does it mean to consecrate myself? So if you missed last week's message, please go check it out, podcast, YouTube, or whatever. This works in process, and so it'll make more sense, and it'll help you understand the picture to say the first call in this story of when Hezekiah takes over is to seek the Lord, and they do so by consecrating themselves, which we defined as getting rid of everything unclean and getting ready everything else being reflective over the state of my heart and my life, prioritizing worship in my heart and my life, and seeking the presence of God, taking my life seriously, and that is so important for us to be consecrated and ready. Now, what we'll see today, though, is this important transition into this spirit of joy, and what we see in chapter 30 is celebration. So last week, what we saw was the preparation of consecration. How do I get ready before the Lord? Now we're going to see the celebration of consecration. What is the fruit of my getting ready before the Lord? The celebration of consecration. That's the title of our message today. What does it look like to celebrate the Lord? Here's something for you to write down that you need to live your life by, especially you Enneagram 7s like me who like to have fun. True joy is the fruit of taking God seriously. Come on, you have to understand the way this works. True joy, chapter 30, celebration, excitement, worship, freedom with the Lord, is the fruit of taking God seriously. Chapter 29, repentant over sin, returning to the Lord in conviction of spirit, being sorrowful over the way I've lived my life, reflecting on the understanding of my heart to say if chapter 29 and taking God seriously doesn't happen, the joy in chapter 30 doesn't come. And so many of us want the experience of what it's like to know the Lord without the commitment to actually follow him. And Jesus is calling you into a place to say, take me seriously. The only way to true joy is to first take God very seriously, to come before him and understand his requirements on your life, to repent and look at your sin and to pursue the Lord very seriously. Every parent in the room knows this, that your kids experience more freedom when they actually listen to you. It is better off for them. How many times do I try to explain this to them? That your rebellion is to your own detriment. You are digging your own hole. You are putting yourself in more consequences. You are doing this to yourself. I am not asking you to do this. I don't want to get mad at you. I don't want to punish you or any of that. I don't want to do any of that. But if you continue to rebel, it's not going to go well for you. You're not taking me seriously. And the same God says with his children to say, man, if you continue to not take me seriously, it's not going to go well for you, and it's only going to be to your own detriment. But if you will listen, follow, and take his command seriously, on the other side is freedom and joy and opportunity. True fruit, true joy is the fruit of taking God seriously. And so we're going to see that today, and I want you to think about that in your life to say, man, how seriously do I really take the Lord? How seriously do I take his commands? How seriously do I think about my life? How serious am I with God? Am I expecting the fruit of an experience of God without the commitment of actually following him? And maybe that's the tension in my life right now. Don't expect fruit without the commitment. It's not going to happen. So let's look at the, the, the chapter now. We're going to look at the whole chapter piece by piece. It's going to be story time, okay? So we're just going to walk through it together little by little. So chapter 30 Let's look in verse 1. We're going to read the first nine verses. So Hezekiah sent to all Israel and Judah. He wrote letters also to Ephraim and Manasseh that they should come to the house of the Lord at Jerusalem to keep the Passover to the Lord, the God of Israel. For the king and his princes and all the assembly in Jerusalem had taken counsel 
to keep the Passover in the second month. For they could not keep it at that time because the priests had not consecrated themselves in sufficient number, nor had the people assembled in Jerusalem. And the plan seemed right to the king and all the assemblies. So they decreed to make a proclamation throughout Israel from Beersheba to Dan that the people should come and keep the Passover to the Lord, the God of Israel at Jerusalem, for they had not kept it as often as prescribed. For they had not kept it as often as prescribed. So couriers went throughout all Israel, Judah, with the letters from the king and his princes. And the king commanded, saying, O people of Israel, return to the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, that he may turn again to you, to the remnant of you who have escaped from the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not be like your fathers and your brothers who were faithless to the Lord God of their fathers so that he made them a desolation as you see. Do not now be stiff-necked as your fathers were, but yield yourselves to the Lord and come into his sanctuary which he has consecrated forever and serve the Lord your God that his fierce anger may turn away from you. For if you return to the Lord, Your brothers and your children will find compassion with their captors, and they will return to this land. For the Lord your God is gracious and merciful, and he will not turn his face away from you if you return to him. That's a good word right there. It's a good word for you and for me, that the Lord is calling you and me to return. The invitation went out. The message was very simple here. It's very clear and understand. What was Hezekiah saying? Return to the Lord, and if you return to him, he will return to you. And for some of you, maybe that's all you needed this morning was a reminder that if you return to the Lord, he will turn to you. If you return to the Lord, he will turn to you. He will not shun you away. He will not say, oh, you've been a bad person. He will not say, no, 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 not you, maybe someone else. No, no, no. If you, even in this moment, no matter what your recent life has been like, return to the Lord, he will turn to you. Why? Because of his character, verse 9, he is gracious and merciful. What we see from the scripture and what we learn in life throughout all the scriptures is that God loves to make an invitation. God is an inviting God. God is a welcoming God. God loves to make invitations. Let me read you some scriptures. Isaiah 45, 22. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. Isaiah 55, 1, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Matthew eleven twenty eight. come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I heard a preacher once say that God's two favorite commands are come and go. Come and go. And this is true. And God is constantly making this invitation. And this invitation is being made to you right now. As you come in here this morning and sit and listen to God's word, he is saying to you, come. Come to me and be saved. For some of you, you're walking into this room. Maybe a friend brought you or a family member or you just wandered in or you found it online or whatever it might be. And you're here and you're far from God, running away from him and separated from him. And he wants to tell you this morning to stop running, turn around and come. He's making the invitation because of what Christ has done to come, to come to him and receive eternal life, to come to him and experience all that he is to you. And for some of you, he is asking you to return, to say, you have come and you were here, but you left and you walked away for a while. And he's asking you to return to him. 
I want you to know and to see God like this. God is always making the invitation. God isn't inviting God. He wants you and I to come to him. That is his call here. That is his call throughout the scriptures. It's one of God's favorite things to say is come. Come. And that's what you should hear the Lord saying to you this morning is come. Come be with me. Come trust me. Come follow me. Come spend time with me. I will satisfy you. I will deliver you. I will strengthen you. I will lead you. I will guide you. I will bless you. This is what the Lord wants for you and for me to come, but so often we're going so many other places for what we can only get from God. So stop running away from what God has for you and come. Look at this verse eight. This is, I, I was thinking about this a lot in verse eight. Just the language he says, now yield yourselves to the Lord. Yield yourselves to the Lord. I know what yield means, but I wanted to look up the definition just to get some precision. And yield simply means to give way, to give way, to stop, listen to this, putting up resistance. Yield means you stop putting up resistance. You give way. You let it be. You stop putting up resistance. And maybe for some of you, this is your word for 2020. I don't know how many of you pick a word for 2020. Me and my wife have one. We just talked through it. So you pick a word to help lead and guide your, your year, to help lead it. Maybe for some of you, the word, if you haven't picked one yet, is yield. It's yield, to say, give way to what God is saying to you. Give way to what God wants to do in your life. Give way to his commands. Give way to his way. Stop putting up resistance. Stop putting up resistance and give way to who he is. This is so important as well because when we don't yield, we miss out on what God wants to reveal. Listen to this. You should write this down. When we yield, God reveals. So if I yield myself unto him and put myself in a position to hear from and receive from him, it is in that very place that God reveals who he is, reveals his character, reveals his way, reveals his wisdom, gives fresh insight, fresh understanding, and a fresh experience. But if I keep putting up resistance, I'm not going to experience what God has to say to me. When we yield, God reveals. When we yield, God reveals. Yield yourself unto the Lord. Maybe that's your word for 2020 is yield. Stop putting up resistance and yield. Trust, obey, follow, consecrate, and enjoy him. You know, when we're driving, Think about yielding when we're driving, okay? I was trying to think about how do, we, how do we help this understand more? Yielding basically means, right, I'm slowing down and I'm surveying my surroundings. If I'm going to yield, I have to slow down, I have to survey my surroundings. Now, I know for some of you it's different. For some of you, a yellow light means slow down. For some of you, a yellow light means speed up, okay? How many of you, a yellow light means speed up, right? Just be honest, that's me all day, all day, okay? That means I got time. That means I got time. It warned me, and I got time. But that means I'll speed up, I can make it, all right? But especially where I live, there's all those cameras, man, I get caught a lot, okay? So uh, you get that $40 ticket in the mail. It's really frustrating, okay? It definitely wasn't worth the two minutes I saved on that. Uh, it feels like a challenge, though, for some of you. You know, it feels like a challenge. Like, you can't make it. You can't make it. Like, yes, I can. Yes, I can. So yielding. But yielding, the reason why they have a yellow light is to say slow down and get ready to stop. That's the point. The point of a yellow light isn't to say speed up. You can almost make it. The point of a yellow light is to say slow down and get ready to stop. And what if that is what the Lord is saying in your life currently is to say slow down, get ready to stop, yield, survey your surroundings. 
you're rushing in. You haven't even reflected on the condition of your own heart. Or think about a yield to oncoming traffic sign. You know that when you come off the exit, yield to oncoming traffic. Here's the traffic coming, you must yield. If we don't listen to the yield to oncoming traffic sign, we just run right in to traffic and it doesn't turn out well for us. And so this is true for us spiritually. And listen to me, so many of you had struggles in 2020 that were completely unnecessary because you didn't listen and yield. Not every struggle is a sign that you're, that, that's from God to do something. Not every struggle is, a, say, every struggle is not just all of a sudden supposed to be that way. No, 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 no. So many things that maybe you went through last year, you could have avoided if you would have yielded. But you just ran into oncoming traffic. You didn't listen to the sign. God was speaking and leading, and you're saying, oh, this must be from the Lord. Well, God is sovereign over all things, but that doesn't mean he had designed it for you. That doesn't mean that that was supposed to be that way. You could have avoided that. You didn't yield. You didn't yield. So there's oncoming traffic, sin, oncoming traffic, a bad decision, oncoming traffic, a grumpy spirit that leads you to to yell at your oncoming traffic. It's like, no, 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 I'm going to yield. I'm going to listen to the sign. I'm going to yield myself to the Lord. I'm going to listen to what he's saying to me. I'm going to survey my surroundings and act appropriately in accordance with that. Yield. Yield yourself to the Lord. Give way. Stop putting up resistance. Slow down. Survey your surroundings and assess where you can go and how you should move forward. Don't let 2021 be a repeat of the same mistakes you made in 2020 because you didn't yield. Don't let the struggles of 2020 be the same struggles of 2021 because you didn't learn the lesson to listen to God's warnings. You know they say the definition of crazy is doing the same thing over again and expecting different results. You think you figured it out all of a sudden? You think all of a sudden you know? You think all of a sudden what God said doesn't work anymore? You think all of a sudden his standards for morality are not acceptable because you don't think so? You think all of a sudden if you live differently it's going to work out better? According to your own wisdom? No. Listen, please, don't make the same mistakes of 2021 that you made in 2020, don't deal with the same unnecessary consequences of 2020 in 2021 simply because you refuse to yield. Stop putting up resistance. Trust, obey, follow, yield, yield. So as we're gonna see from this passage, let's keep moving forward. One of the things that's so necessary is the only way anybody responds to God is if God first responds to them and seeks them out and put his hand on them. Look at this. Let's look at verse 10. So he sends out this invitation. So the couriers went from city to city through the country of Ephraim. Yeah, there's no newsletters, right? So he can't get people information like that. There's couriers. They're going on horses. They're taking the information to Ephraim and Manasseh as far as Zebulun. Should have put a map up here. It's basically all over the place, okay, top to bottom. However, some men of Asher, wait, and they, but they laughed and scorned and mocked them. However, and that should also, let me, let me point that out. That should show you the spiritual condition of the, of the country at that point. The king says, let's return to the Lord. And they're like, ha, that's stupid. Why would we do that? And so what, what Hezekiah is doing is so significant. He's not leading a bunch of people that want to do this. They, they are not in a position to do this. He's going against the current. Sound familiar? How many of you feel like you're going against the current in your workplace? You're going against the current in your neighborhood. 
You're going against the current in your city. You're going against the current just in terms of culture and what they think about what you believe. You're going against the current. This is what you ought to expect, and God is calling you to persist, to keep going. Follow the example of Hezekiah. Pursue. Don't give up because they scorn and they mock you. Don't give up in 2021 because someone thinks what you believe is ridiculous. Don't give up in 2021 because someone mocks your call to return to them. Don't give up. Keep going. Keep persisting. Keep pursuing. However, verse 11, some men of Asher and Manasseh and Zebulun humbled themselves and they came to Jerusalem. Verse 12, the hand of God was also on Judah to give them one heart to do what the king and princes commanded by the word of the Lord. This is good. The hand of God was on them to do what God had commanded. This should be one of your main prayers. For those of you who have someone in your life that's far from God, for those of you who have someone in your life that's really struggling, for those of you who have someone in your life that you want to help lead them unto the Lord, you have to see from here that the thing that's necessary isn't you, it's the hand of God on them to turn their heart. And for you to pursue prayer, to really believe that prayer is the work, to say, Lord, I want to see spiritual change happen in this person's life, and I know what needs to happen is your hand must come on them. Your hand must come on them to change their heart, to strengthen and to deliver them from the ways of the world, to help them see who you really are, to give them a heart to follow you. The hand of the Lord must come on them. The Lord must touch them. The Lord must be there. The Lord must help them respond and lead them. Only The only people that get saved are the ones that God puts his hand on. This is how it happens. So you have to pray and believe that prayer is the work to say, I will ask the Lord to put his hand on that person. You should probably write their name down in your sermon notes or something to say, I'm gonna spend this year asking the Lord to put his hand on them, to touch them. Because the only thing you're gonna, the only way you're gonna see spiritual fruit is if God does that. He puts his hand on them and he touches them. So verse 13 Many people came together in Jerusalem to keep the Feast of Unleavened Bread in the second month, a very great assembly. So now they have a group that's willing to come worship. They set to work and removed the altars that were in Jerusalem and all the altars for burning incense they took away and they threw in the brook Kidron. They slaughtered the Passover lamb on the 14th day of the second month and the priests and the Levites were ashamed so that they consecrated themselves and brought burnt offerings into the house of the Lord. They took their accustomed post, according to the law of Moses, the man of God. The priests threw the blood that they had received from the hand of the Levites, for there were many in the assembly who had not consecrated themselves. Therefore, the Levites had to slaughter the Passover lamb for everyone who was not clean, to consecrate it to the Lord. For a majority of the people, many of them from Ephraim, Manasseh, Issachar, and Zebulun, had not cleansed themselves, yet they ate the Passover otherwise than as prescribed. For Hezekiah had prayed for them, saying, May the Lord God, may the good Lord pardon everyone who sets his heart to seek God, the Lord, the God of his fathers, even though not according to the sanctuary's rules of cleanness. To the sanctuary's rules of cleanness. And the Lord heard Hezekiah, and he healed the people. The Lord heard Hezekiah, and he healed the people. I love this part of the story because there were some people willing to worship. There were some people willing to set their heart to seek the Lord. So they came. But the problem was they weren't ready. Not according to the standards. They weren't clean. They hadn't done all the things that are required to enter into the temple. They hadn't done all the things that were required to be a part of what was happening in that moment. So here's what happened. Hezekiah prayed for them. 
And then Hezekiah made some additional sacrifices on their behalf, and the Lord allowed them to move forward in worship because their heart was in the right place to seek him. We do this so backwards. Listen to me. Returning to God, returning to Christ, is first about coming to him as a response of your heart, not getting your life together as a response of your will. God did not say, oh, your life is a mess. I need you to go clean it up so that you can come into the temple now. No, God looked at them and said, I see your heart, and I see that your heart wants me, and I see that your heart wants to return. I also see your life, and it is a mess. But because of what I love and because of what I'm going to do for you, if you come into me and you come now, I'm going to let you come. In my presence, you will be changed, and I'll give you a new heart, and your heart will then go live according to the standards I give to you. And because you came as a mess, I will help you and change you and send you out to go live differently. But so many of us are waiting to become something that we are not. We're waiting to be something and present ourselves in some way that's more appropriate to God to come to church. We feel like, man, I really messed up, so I I can't really be in church. I really messed up, so I can't read my Bible. I really messed up, so I can't. Let me get a few things together, and then I'll feel better showing up. Let me get a few things together, and I'll I'll feel better showing up to church. Let me get a few things together. I'll feel better showing up to read my Bible Well, let me get a few things together and I'll feel better about who I am before God. And we wait and we wait and we wait and we wait and we try as an act of the will to do better. But like we said last week, we don't need resolutions, we need a revelation. And the invitation to come applies to you right now with your life as it is. As it is. The Lord says, come The Lord says, come now, do not wait. Come now. He will receive you as you are, but he will not leave you that way. He'll receive you as you are. You don't have to get better. You don't have to change right now. He'll receive you as you are if your heart sets its heart, if you set your heart to seek him. But he will not leave you this way. As we've been reading this, I think one of the things we learn a lot is order. We've been learning about order to say we consecrate first and then we go serve and change the city. We give private devotion the priority so our public ministry is fruitful. We seek the Lord first and we know and recognize we'll be more productive with less time because we've done things in the right order. Well, let me listen to you. I may hear you listen to me in 2021. Listen to me. The order of getting your life together, the order. You say, what steps should I take to get my life together this year? The order of getting your life together is to first come to God with it all messed up. That's how you get your life together is you come to God as a mess. You come to God as you are. You come to God with your whole thing messed up. You come to God with your problems and your past. You come to God first. God meets you in that place and changes you, and then you go and you live the life God has called you to live. But if you wait to be something else, to present yourself as more presentable before God, to come into him, you will have come in your own strength and you probably even in that moment won't receive what God intends to give you because you came because you thought you were good enough and the whole point of the gospel of Jesus Christ is you come as you are because you're not good enough but Jesus is return now this is what God is saying to you so many of you maybe are holding back from the Lord and you're it's a miracle you even showed up this morning because you feel like your life is a mess and you feel like man I'm so glad nobody in this room knows what my life is like or maybe somebody does you feel like man my life is such a mess and I want you to receive what God is saying this morning not that that is okay and not that your sin is okay but that God says I will receive you as you are if you come and then I will change you and you will not leave the same
But for 2021, you make resolutions and you try to get your life in order. But God says the order of getting your life together is to come to him with it all messed up. That's the order. That's the first thing. Constantly. The first thing in the year, the first thing in the month, the first thing every day. Come to God with your life all messed up. Listen, as we saw from here, this is the wonderful truth. The reason they were allowed to enter into God's presence was because Hezekiah had made appropriate sacrifices and because God is good. Now this gets really good in the New Testament. The reason you and I are allowed to enter the presence of God, even though we have sin and are separated from him, is because God is good and because he has made the appropriate sacrifice. The appropriate sacrifice has been made on your behalf. Look at this. This is what happened. They didn't make it. Look at the people. They had a heart, and they said, man, something's messed up. I want to come after him. I hear the call to come, and I want to come. But they didn't know how to come, and they didn't know all the stuff in their life that was even messed up, and they probably didn't even know the rules that would prevent them from doing what they wanted to do. But somebody made a sacrifice on their behalf that enabled them to enter into the presence. And this is what we see as we continue to flip the scriptures, flip the pages of the scriptures, say we get to a point where God sends his son Jesus into the world who lives a perfect life that obeys God and never sins one you can never live and then he dies on your behalf and a sacrifice is made for your sin one that you did not make one that you at that time didn't even know need to be made and then the call comes come and you can come now why because Jesus has already paid the price the sacrifice has been made All your sins covered, free. Why? Not because you deserve it, but because God loves you, because God is good, because he has made the sacrifice for you so that you could come. And there's some of you in the room who need to believe that for the first time. And God is saying, come, the sacrifice has already been made. You don't need to do anything else. Get better, live better right now. You just need to come. God has paid for your sins and he has risen from the dead. And if you believe and trust in him, you can enter into his presence both now and forevermore. And he says, come. And so many of you as well need to remember this as you enter into 2021, that the same price that was paid for the sins of your past is the same price that was paid for the sins of your present, and it's the same price that was paid for the sins of your future. So the invitation from God for those of you who trust him is always come. Come. God is always saying come to those who trust him, to those who believe him, to those who follow him. He's always saying come. That is his invitation, not because you lived right, not because you don't mess up, but because the sacrifice has already been made. So come. Wake up in the morning, come. After that terrible night you had where you did something you wish you didn't, come, come, come. Jesus is saying come. He's telling you come. He wants you. He loves you. He is inviting you into his presence, into his way, into his family, into the life he has for you. So come. So let's keep reading as, as this story closes. All of that, all of that, taking God seriously, coming to him, yielding to him, receiving his goodness towards us and his sacrifice leads to this. Verse 21, and the people of Israel who were present at Jerusalem kept the feast of unleavened bread seven days with great gladness. The Levites and the priests praised the Lord day by day, singing with all their might to the Lord. And Hezekiah spoke encouragingly to all the Levites who showed good skill in the service of the Lord. This is why you should thank your worship leaders, all right? They show good skill in the service of the Lord, all right? Tell them thank you, you appreciate it. So they ate the food of the festival for seven days sacrificing peace offerings and giving thanks to the Lord, the God of their fathers. Then the whole assembly, get this, come on, 
agreed together to keep the feast for another seven days. So they kept it for another seven days with gladness. Hezekiah, king of Judah, gave the assembly a thousand bulls and 7,000 sheep for offerings. The princes gave the assembly a thousand bulls, 10,000 sheep. The priests consecrated themselves in great numbers. The whole assembly of Judah, the priests and the Levites, and the whole assembly that came out of Israel, and the sojourners who came out of the land of Israel, and the sojourners who lived in Judah rejoiced. So there was great joy in Jerusalem, the city, for since the time of Solomon, the son of God, the son of David, king of Israel, there had never been anything like this. That's an amazing sentence. Then the priests and the Levites arose. They blessed the people. Their voice was heard, and their prayer came to his holy habitation in heaven. So get this. They come. They worship. They celebrate the Lord, his goodness towards them, his call to come, his invitation, his love, and his mercy, and his grace towards them. They respond to who God is for them, even though their life is a mess, and they come. And in God's presence now, they find joy. They find true joy. They find freedom, they find excitement. Man, how many of you in here know that when you encounter the Lord, you always want more? How many of you have ever met with the Lord and said, nah, that, that aftertaste, you know, like Diet Coke, no, nah, no, nah, it was good at first, but not at the end, no, no. That's never like the Lord. The Lord's not like that. It's like a bowl of ice cream. You know, you eat one, you got to have two. You just keep going. Like, there's no way. When you really encounter the Lord, let me show you this. When you really encounter the Lord, he does not disappoint. Psalm 1611 isn't a joke. It says, in his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. It's not a metaphor. It's not an exaggeration. It's not a hyperbole. It's truth. Saying the presence of God is joy forevermore. Psalm 34, 8 says, taste and see the Lord is good. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. And so God this morning and for 2021 is calling you into an experience of his presence to prioritize him and to taste him, to see that he is good, to give him those seven days and say, no, nah, I want another seven, to give him the 21 and say 21 more, to give him the 10 minutes and say 10 more minutes, to give him the first part of your day and say the second part of my day, to give him something to come to him to taste how good he is, eat that first bowl of ice cream and say, wow, you are amazing. I want more of that. I want more of that. I want more of that. This is what it means to worship. It's to come into this place and say, I gotta have more. I love meeting with the Lord. I love meeting with God's people. I love reading my Bible. Because when I taste him, he doesn't disappoint. When I'm with him, he reveals himself as good. When I'm with him, he shows me his mercy. When I'm with him, he shows me his grace. When I'm with him, he provides true joy. When I'm with him, he provides deep contentment. When I'm with him, he gives me a sense of security, even though my life is a mess. When I'm with him, I understand forgiveness. When I'm with him, I feel free. When I'm with him, I feel loved. When I'm with him, I feel cherished. When I'm with him, I feel valued. When I'm with him, I feel safe. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Give him seven and you'll want another seven. Give him 10, you'll want another 10. Nothing will satisfy your soul like the Lord. This is what it means to truly, truly worship. To take God seriously, to repent, to yield, to obey, to follow, to trust, and then to enjoy. And then to enjoy. God is good, guys. It's not just an adjective. It's an experience. And he wants you to taste that and to see that and to know that. And so on the other side of taking God seriously is experiencing God satisfyingly. That's what I want you to, to leave with today. On the other side of taking God seriously 
of believing what he says is true, of even in the midst of your offense of what he says about your life, to submit to that and say, your ways are better than my ways. So I submit to your ways, I yield to your ways. I recognize my sin and I repent. No positive vibes, no positive thinking, no. My sin earns me hell. It's terrible and it's wicked. And so I recognize that, I repent, and then I come. I come to the Lord and say, I want you, Jesus. And he says, I'll take you as you are. Come be with me, I've already made a sacrifice. And then I enter into his presence because of what he has done, and I experience his goodness. And he gives me that great joy. And when I take God seriously, I experience him satisfyingly. We want the experience without the following. And so for 2021, let's take God seriously, 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 so that as a church we can experience him satisfyingly, so that you and your home as a family can experience him satisfyingly, so that you and your heart can experience him satisfyingly, taste and see the Lord is good, and so that we can go out into the world full of chaos, destruction, mayhem, all this stuff, and we can bring the kingdom of heaven into that place. The peace of God, the will of God, the way of God, the satisfaction of God. And we can really be the light of the world. And so let me pray for us and let's pursue the Lord now. God, we love you, we honor you, we worship you, we praise you. just thank you, Lord, for the invitation. Come. I just pray, God, that each person in this room and each person watching online would hear that to them personally. You say, come, come to me. Come to me and be saved. Return to me and be renewed. And I pray, Lord, that as we sing, that you would work in our hearts, that you would give us faith, that you would help us to taste and see that you are good. And we love you so much, God. So give us the experience here that's in the scriptures right now in 2021, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Once you stand, let's respond to the Lord.